Welcome to the Unrestricted Podcast. My name is Emily. And my name is Han, and our mission is to spend 15 minutes each week discussing your eating disorder recovery-related questions. Thank you so much for being here, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Unrestricted Podcast, in which Emily and I will be answering the question, is it normal to be obsessed with what family members are eating? And uh, I think the best way maybe to jump into this conversation is by picking up on the word obsession and by removing any judgment to what's happening. Um, I think this is really important because the obsession in question here is something that your recovered self is going to look back to most likely and probably really appreciate Mm. as hard as that may be to imagine right now and um, I think Emily you might agree with me when I say that obsessions and hyperfixations in this instance but also in wider recovery are most likely directly fueled by some sort of deficit or deprivation and are merely your body's survival mechanism kicking in. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, And I love how you say, looking back at the obsession, you don't feel that judgment in the same way when you are in the space and you're in that place where your eating disorder is loud and kicking up a fuss. There is a tendency for real judgment, especially fear around that sense of feeling obsessed with food and what others are eating and what you're eating and all of the things around that. But looking back, as you move away from that place and as you get out of energy deficit and you move away from your eating disorder and you neurally rewire, you can look back and think that made sense. It Mm -hmm. made complete and utter sense for me, who is in an energy deprived state, to be thinking and focusing on food a lot. Yeah, definitely. And and I think rather than feeling as though your body is or was working wrong or doing something weird, I certainly have to try my very, very best to show some level of compassion to what it was doing or, mm. or what the good resources that I was coming across were telling me that my body was doing. And I think this compassion and respect is, is just so important here because our bodies rarely do anything frivolously. And in this case, they are merely trying to protect us from damage caused by malnutrition, Mm. as they so often are. And I think just losing sight of the fact that they are on our side when they are making us uh, hyper aware of the foods in our um, in our nearest surroundings is is so easy when we when we bring that judgment into it. And I think we could probably both ramble about this all day long. But our prevention of damage caused by malnutrition is just so deeply wired into us and is coming from that culmination of sort of thousands of years of evolution in which we evolved in a time of want and not plenty and so our brains sort of get sensitive to that feeling of I'm not getting properly fueled and kickstart into action. Yeah absolutely and you do become utterly prioritized with food and that absolutely can present as being very hyper focused on what other people around you are eating it's important to remember at the end of the day this is a form of mental hunger and the way that you move through this and you get to a place where that isn't the case is by 
addressing the fact that this is a symptom of your body being really hungry and going and honoring it. And something else I think is important to say here is that often, and I know this was definitely true for me, the fixation on what other people were eating came or was sort of enhanced by this feeling that I knew deep down I could eat more than anyone around me easily and I think there was an element of this sort of back and forth between one my brain just being fixated on the food because it was hungry and then also my fear of gosh I could eat so much more than that I could eat twice of what they're eating and then they're eating they're eating that and they're satisfied and I've eaten it and I'm not feeling satisfied and what's wrong with me and why is this the case and I think it's just so important to remind yourself that you are in recovery from a restrictive eating disorder and that you need to be honoring all of your hunger and that it is normal and natural in the place that you are in to eat more than the vast majority of people around you. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. And I think as soon as that sort of cave person brain is activated, I think it makes just total sense that we are thinking about nothing but what we are missing, aka sort of food in this situation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so wonderful that our brains do kickstart that mental hunger. And as we sort of said at the beginning, something we can appreciate. But in the modern day, this complete hyperfixation on food and what other people are eating and, and potentially shows up in uh, our our content that we're consuming on social media or cooking books whatever that is it is absolutely appropriate for the position that we put our bodies into and I remember um, one certain situation for me was sort of when I was in a lecture hall at uni and someone 10 rows back from me was eating um, prawn cocktail crisps I could not tell you for the life of me what was on the lecture slides <laughs> that I was in attendance for um, but I could certainly tell you what that stranger a few rows back had had or for example on the train I used to pick up on sort of the, f the filling in someone's sandwich on the other side of the carriage um, and I more or less could have told you exactly what my family members had had eaten for the whole week and log it for you had mm -hmm. you had asked and I think it's so appropriate when we think about it that our brains are just hooking onto this info and really really allowing us to potentially or hopefully in there if we are to follow through um, also get that nourishment that we are seeing um, it is sort of present in our in our environment and I think there are there are people who who may be listening to this who maybe just think sort of oh, I'm just obsessed with food or um, it is it is an addiction for me to be thinking of food and perhaps even some some treatment professionals have planted that seed in, mm. in your head unfortunately but I think when we hear things along those lines or when maybe our slightly disordered auntie says something along the lines of they have a addiction to sweet foods we just have to reassure ourselves that there's actually no such thing as a sugar addiction mm -hmm. there is just an absolutely appropriate biological response to sugar restriction yes. and, and studies after studies have found this as soon as we take something away as soon as we don't nourish ourselves with an adequate amount of carbohydrates say it's likely that our brains are going to alert us to our brother who is eating the bagel or our mum who might be not eating X, Y, Z. It's going to be hyper sort of focused on everything which verifies or potentially um, goes against these needs from our body and 
deep down what we know we need to be doing. Absolutely, absolutely. And when you think about it, in terms of the hierarchy of our needs as humans, as mammals, food is right up there. It really is right up there. It is crucial to our survival. And when food is restricted, the body goes into survival mode. It goes into starvation mode. It goes into, right, food is scarce. This environment isn't safe. We need to sort of save the resources that we've got and we need to treat them carefully and we need to move to a place and we need to focus on getting to a place where food is abundantly available. And one of the things that um, really fascinated me that I learned about was something in our brain called the reticular activating system, which is a mm-hmm. big fancy word, but basically it's like a filter. And I think a good way of explaining how this works is if you've ever sat in a room and you're sat talking to people and suddenly you hear someone say your name over a shoulder, they might not be talking to you, but you clock it. It's like your brain has filtered all of the stuff that's coming in from the environment has gone, oh, that's important. And that's basically the role of the reticular activating system. It looks at all of the inva- <laughs> looks at all the information, scans the environment around you and filters and sort of presents to you the stuff that it believes is important. So, for example, if you were looking to buy a new type of car and you had your eye on a particular one, you may well suddenly notice that you're clocking them everywhere in a way that you maybe hadn't before. And this is something that I'm sure if you think about it, you can think of lots of examples of it. Now, the interesting thing about this system with food is that because, as I said, and we know food is crucial to survival, it's like this system with all of the physiological stuff that's going on in the background as well with restriction, this system goes on boost mode and really seriously filters everything in the environment to do with food and so exactly like you were talking you can be in a space and trying to pay attention to a conversation and all you can think about is what the people on the table opposite have ordered Mm -hmm. or you might be I don't know sat having a conversation all you can focus on is the fact that the people on the table haven't eaten the food at the same rate that you have or that they're eating something different or remembering what other people have eaten. It's this amazing ability of the body when it is in an energy-deprived state to basically constantly say to you, remember food, remember food. Food is important. Food is the priority. Food is number one. Please keep thinking about it. And it keeps bringing you back both through neural systems and through physiological systems to focus on the thing that it needs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and exactly as you say there, Emily, it's sort of like, why would my brain have cared for the Anglo-Saxon that was on that sort of lecture slide that I would have been supposed to be tuning into compared to the crisps, which potentially I hadn't been allowing myself the permission yeah. for in, in sort of a, a crisp sense, but probably a wider sense too. It makes perfect sense that there mm-hmm. is that fixation there. And, and I think is obviously something um, from the position that I'm in now, I can look back and be very grateful for that I um, maybe don't have so much knowledge on Anglo-Saxons, but I, I have fully recovered. Um, but I think it's, it's a wonderful thing to try your best to respect in the moment that your body is on your side, your body is serving you really appropriately here. And that um, sort of system in your brain, that filtering thing that goes on, it is a mechanism that um, in our sort of primal states would have been 
basically life-saving for mm, us absolutely. and it, it stuck around for a reason that filtering of important data of important info is something that is happening to keep us alive and keep us safe so I think even though uh, we can say that it's done in of course a really really positive way here there may also be some um, almost confirmation bias going on where we have a um, ingrained belief in some way that can also be verified by some of the hyperfixations that we've picked up on. So if someone in our immediate environment is dieting or does struggle with an mm -hmm. eating disorder, we're also quite likely to be um, focusing on their energy balance. And for me, I think there, there does tend to be a correlation between um, someone who is under the weight that they need to be or their body um, is happy at and that um, draw towards comparison with other people's energy balance, yes. be that their movement levels or be that their food intake. I do think your body seeks out um, all of this good data to bring you, but your eating disorder will also be really seeking out that um, sort of confirmatory negative stuff. So when someone is perhaps not having carbohydrates on their plate around you, you conclude that that is um, your, your brain sort of goes down that staircase and suddenly carbohydrates and their lack of carbohydrates on that plate, it means something and you're correlating it to something. So I think that hyperfixation around around food um, is in some way something you need to watch that you are not um, reducing your, your intake to, but also when you are matching it up to other people's intake and sort of seeing maybe the foods that they are eating and the foods that you are noticing, maybe someone is eating something that you think looks quite tasty. Also recognize that you need more permission than that person. You don't just need to sort of um, meet that normal person's requirement if they haven't been restricting and they aren't. Um, recovering from deficit it is likely that your body isn't going to be satisfied with just meeting that it may need um, the excess basically to get out of deprivation yes absolutely and I think the key word there is compassion isn't it compassion for your body that is healing and know that although it can be incredibly overwhelming there's no doubt about it I remember it only too well this is a healing hunger it is a response to an energy deficit. And this feeling of obsession is your body prioritizing the thing that it needs. Um, and, you know, it's a very typical card that the eating disorder tries to play. And I'm sure that you can agree with this, Hannah, that, oh, this is, you know, you're just addicted to food. This is something different. This isn't an eating disorder. This is something else. Like you're going to go from this to food addiction. I know that I definitely found myself um, sort of worrying about that because it was something that my eating sort of presented to me. Mm -hmm. But it's so important to hold on to everything that we have just said, the truth of everything we've just said, what you know deep down intuitively to be true, and the fact that an energy-deprived body needs lots of food. And know as well that the eating disorder, when it can't effectively get in through the front door, you know, when you are holding that door shut and being vigilant, it will look for ways to get in through slightly open windows and cracks in the roof. Mm -hmm. And one of those is absolutely a fear of this is just this is an addiction. This is something else. This is going to go on forever. It's not going to go on forever. This period where you feel obsessed with food is right and proper and normal and appropriate. And the you who goes through it 
aka who honors your hunger, eats without restriction, eats to full satisfaction and really embraces abundance, you will get through it. You will get to a place where your body reaches its happy state and where your hunger normalizes to your level and you will not feel this incredibly intense, overwhelming food, 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 food brain any longer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I just think uh, finishing up, it, it would be quite an interesting thing, Emily, if I just ask you here. Um, if if you were to sort of try and tell me either uh, one of your friends who you've been with a lot or your partner, what they have eaten and sort of be able to log for me what they had eaten in the past, let's say, 48 hours, um, maybe perhaps because of the project that I know you're doing uh, with your oh, nutrition, so um, there would be <laughs> there would be some insight into what that person had eaten. But project aside, uh, let's sort of say um, this module that you're doing is done and dusted. Would you be able to tell me what your partner or your friend or maybe whoever else you've been with has eaten sort of from that um, deprivation point of view that you have um, sort of an understanding or a total of what that person have eaten or do you just not care do you not have any care in the world what they've eaten 100% I have no idea it's not even a case of not caring like I don't care but also that's not a conscious decision it's this subconscious thing that my brain just doesn't even bother to register that information at all Um, not only do I not know what friends or Andrew my partner I I would struggle to even tell you what I had eaten yesterday. And and you know what, for anyone who is listening to this and thinking, I can't imagine getting to that place. Trust me, you can. There was a time where I had this in, insane ability, which I'm sure lots of you can relate to, to, you know, if you'd met with a friend and you hadn't seen them for a few months and they'd say, oh, yes, do you remember? What was it we did? And I'd say, oh, we went to this restaurant and you had this and I had this. <laughs> and um, oh, to now be able to sit here and say, I can barely remember what I had yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's, yeah, it, it's just, it, it, it's the most normal and natural thing. And like I said, it's not that I don't care, it's that my brain, because I don't, but it's also very much a subconscious thing that my brain doesn't care it doesn't even bother to register that information yeah certainly holds on to the memories of that lunch rather than the food consumed at that lunch with a friend absolutely the the same with me yes exactly (laughs) exactly okie dokie well we hope that answered the question and we look forward to answering another next week yeah speak soon bye-bye bye